Over a month ago, I got to spend time with some other church planters that are doing uh, different things even in the States and all around the world. It affirms something on the inside of me that says, I want to be a part of what God's doing in the earth. That's what I want my life to be about. And it really affirms in me that desire to, to do what God wants me to do. And I've actually spent time this past week thinking about that in my life, that really from the time I was 17 years old, I have wanted to do what God wants me to do. And now there have been definite ups and downs in that, and there have been times where I've failed miserably in that pursuit, and times where I even probably thought about walking away. But at the core of my life, from the time I was 17 years old, I've wanted to do what God wants me to do. But the thing that I've learned about that desire, about following Christ and in His mission, is that it can sometimes actually bring and add frustration and anxiety to our lives. It's added frustration and anxiety to my life because, I mean, there's the first and simple aspect of it that there's things I want to do. There's actions and behaviors that seem so natural to me that the Bible says I shouldn't do. It tells me that I shouldn't get angry when people upset me. It tells me that I shouldn't be greedy and want to have all the money that I want to have and all the success and all of that type of of stuff. It tells me that, that jealousy is wrong, that I shouldn't feel that, I shouldn't experience that, or at least I should, should get rid of that in my life, that lust is not okay. So there's this tension of wanting to do the things that God wants me to do, but sometimes it goes against the very nature that I feel that I am at times. There's also the reality that sometimes we look at the Bible and it seems like we'll never really figure it out. Even this morning, I overheard a conversation or two of people talking about different theological issues, and it can bring frustration to you because it's like, if I want to do what God wants me to do and I can't even figure it out all the time, how am I supposed to do that? There's also this pressure that we feel we should be producing fruit. We should be doing good works and seeing good things happen because of it. And when we don't see those great and good things happening, there's frustration and anxiety. Am I doing enough? Am I doing it the right way? Am I doing the things that I should be doing? And then sometimes even coming to church itself can, can make it more difficult because People stand up and share the great things that they're doing. Or you look around and people are worshiping passionately and seem to be enjoying the presence of God and you feel like, I don't even know if I have this thing figured out. I, I want to do what God wants me to do, but I don't know if I can or if I even understand what that is. Our passage today in the book of Philippians should bring some encouragement to us when we feel that tension, when we wrestle with those issues. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 4 and we're going to start in verse 6 today. 
And Paul has some words of encouragement to us that he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. It's almost like Paul is looking at this church and he's written this letter about how they're supposed to be moving and where they're supposed to be going and what they're supposed to be doing. But he adds these lines in here that in our vernacular may be summed up as, but please chill out, relax. Don't get so stressed out, so anxious over all of these issues and all of these things. This portion of Scripture is actually specifically directed to two ladies in the church who have begun to fight and argue, and they got these issues going on and happening. And in our lives, if we don't balance the tension of following God and sometimes the anxiety and stress that comes with that, if we don't balance that with the peace of God, we will become unhappy, we will become bitter, we will become frustrated Christians. And far too often, that is what Christians are known for. They're known for their theology, their doctrine, and their judgment, not their love, their peace, their gentleness, their kindness. In the verse right before he tells us not to be anxious, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. But for us to have gentleness, for us to have love and kindness and these characteristics that we want so badly to have, we have to have peace. Gentleness comes through peace. And this peace that Paul talks about, even he, the, the, this man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, says this peace is unexplainable. I can't even put into words what this peace is like. He says it passes all understanding. As somebody who has to give a talk on it, I felt a little humbled by the fact that if Paul can't describe this peace, there's no way I have a shot at describing this peace. But he encourages us, challenges us, invites us to come to God in prayer. Let your petitions, let your requests be known. And this peace which I can't even explain will be there for you. It will be available for you. There's a sense in the Scripture of this earnest connection to God. I think it's amazing that we're not just invited to connect to God, but we are challenged that we can go and we can tell God the things we need, the things we're frustrated with, the issues that we're dealing with, the concerns that we have, and that we can roll those over and give them to God and He fills our life with peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that doesn't even make sense. Peace that guides and guards and protects our heart. The only thing that I could think of to even compare it to was, I don't know if you guys have had these times or moments where there's somebody that you're close to or that you have a relationship with, a friendship with, that something goes wrong in that relationship 
and there begins to be this animosity or this strife or awkwardness, frustration with each other, and, and it, just, it just doesn't feel right, and it doesn't feel good, and it, it causes anxiety, and you finally get up enough courage to, to go to that person and, and say, hey, we need, to, we need to talk about this. And you go to that person with the butterflies in your stomach and the, the anxiety of how is this person going to respond? Are they going to get more angry and upset with me? Am I going to have the right words to say? Am, am I going to be able to convey the message that I want to convey? And you have that talk with them and it just goes well. After a few moments or a little bit of time, the conversation begins to change and that frustration, that anxiety, that misunderstanding begins to fade away and you begin to reconnect and realize how much you cared for each other and loved each other. And I don't know how many of you guys have had those experiences, but, but a few times in my life I've had those conversations and you walk away and you just feel at peace with that person. So thankful that that misunderstanding has gone away. When I hear Paul talk about peace that passes understanding, that is a picture that I get in my mind that in our lives we can live with that sense and that feeling that it's going to be okay. He says that this peace will guard our heart. It protects our heart. There's a sense of this military word as if there are soldiers standing guard at our heart protecting us. What should be let in and what should be kept out? Again, I pictured being at war and being on foreign territory where there's this huge battle going on and all kinds of things happening, but one of the things that our military always does is they establish safe zones. They establish a place where they can come back to and there's safety there. They know who should be let in and who should be kept out. And even though there's all of these things in this war and people being injured and dying, going all on all around, they know that there's a place of safety and refuge that they control. And Paul says that God, His peace will guard our heart. This is good news for me. And I hope it's good news for you because I can tend to get anxious and stressed out by even just the little details of life. And then I look about, look at my desire to want to do what God wants me to do, and that adds even more stress and tension. And Paul says, no, come to God. Pray, let your requests be known. Communicate, talk with Him, and His peace which transcends understanding will guard your heart. This week, we started back up into track season. For those of you who don't know, I coach track at Ferris High School up on the South Hill, and what an amazing week to start spring sports track season this year. It was 55 degrees out and sunny, which I think just makes everything better to begin with. You just feel better about it, I guess. But it's also this, it's this time of adding a lot of work and things to my life. A lot of time and energy and effort goes into it. 
But there's also this sense in the first week where you're meeting new kids coming in that want to be on the track team and you're talking to other older kids about the goals and things that they want to do and accomplish. And there's all of this great atmosphere of excitement of what could be this year and this season and what we could do and what we could accomplish. And we begin to talk, especially with the new kids, about what events they might try what things they think they might want to do. And we try to help them figure all of that stuff out. And we we explain each of the events and let each coach tell about what type of person would be best at this event and what what things you need to be able to do this event and and that event. And we have all of this experience. And, And then one of the joys of coaching is that first time somebody tries a new event because one of the events I coach is hurdles. And we get girls out there and they begin to do all kinds of funny things with their body to get over this hurdle. And I always look at it as like just my little piece of reward for coaching to get to watch them go through this like coming over hurdles and their legs and things going all over the place. We get them into these different events and and what we do so that they don't feel so awkward and out of place is We talk to them about the event. We explain, your knee has to go here because this has to do this, and this arm has to go there, and we talk to them for a while about it. Then we let them watch other people that have done it before. We let them watch them do some of those drills. We watch video, and, and then we begin to do drills where they don't even go over the hurdle yet, but they... We work on just going into the wall. You, you lift your knee up and then you extend your foot and your arm goes here and we do that for a little bit of time and then we move them to another drill and we eventually work up to this place where they get out and they go to the hurdle and they begin to experience it for themselves. So they practice what they're supposed to do. And I thought about it this week of how great of a coach I would be if all I ever did was got up and talked to them about the event. If day after day I got up and said, now this is what hurdling is, and this is what hurdling feels like, and this is what you can do when you hurdle, and day after day after day all I did was talk about hurdling instead of actually letting them hurdle. But I also think back to the church and wonder how much time we spend talking about being a Christian, about being a follower of Christ, instead of being out there and practicing being a Christian. The beauty about learning how to hurdle or learning a sport is you don't have to be perfect when you begin. It's a progress and you grow and you develop. But the beauty about being a Christian is you don't have to be perfect ever. You continually grow and learn and discover and Paul takes this discussion of the peace that, he ha- that we can have in Christ and he goes into verse 9 and he says, Whatever you have learned or received from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So he says this great statement that there's peace for you to have, but you also get to step out and experience and practice and live this life. Whatever you've seen or heard, do it. And don't be so stressed out about it. 
So the God of peace will be with you. And it's exactly what we tell these girls the first time they hurdle. Don't worry that you look funny. Don't worry that you feel awkward. Don't worry that you can't do it the same way that this person can do it. It's okay because it's a process. You're learning. You're growing. You're practicing. We'll get you good. We'll get you where you need to be. The past eight weeks, we've spent time studying and reading the book of Philippians, and I wonder how many of us have taken something that's been said or something that's been demonstrated and put it into practice in our life. Because that is really the challenge, is to not stress out over what we should be doing, but it's to get in and do something and let God and His peace guide and direct us. Our tendency is to come sit in church and evaluate what I say, or Russ, or Ryan, or Kevin, or Rob, or any of the... We think, wow, that, that was a good talk. Instead of coming and listening and hearing maybe the prompting of God directing and challenging and moving us towards something that we can practice and live out in our life. The evolution of the church in America has become much more about theory and talking about it and much less about doing it and living it, experiencing it. I'm trying to change the way that I come to church and listen, as opposed to saying, wow, that was a good talk, or I liked what he had to say as to what do I need to do with my life? How do I need to change? What do I need to practice? It's so easy for us to lose sight of God. So easy for us to lose sight of what He wants for us in our life. And this, again, is what this portion of, past, of Scripture is all about. Yudia and Sintity, there are these two women, and it says something so amazing. It says, Paul's pleading with them to agree with each other, and it says, because at one time, they were contending side by side for the sake of the Gospel. They were fighting, walking, living out, everything that God wanted for them and something caused them to lose sight, to lose focus of what they were supposed to be doing. I think it is ridiculously easy for us to lose sight. Whether it's because we're at tension with somebody within the church or just because of all of the things that are going on around us in our lives, in our world, it's so easy to lose sight. But that's the beautiful part of this passage is that Paul also says in verse 3, he says that I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, to help these women who have contended at my side for the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. He says, come alongside them, help them, encourage them, do whatever you can do to get them back to that focused place of what they're supposed to be doing. How different is it to attend a good service with good music and a good talk as opposed to being part of a community that comes alongside each other and challenges each other, inspires each other, loves each other, cares for each other. I want to be a part of that latter community. My guess is that when this letter got to the church at Philippi, that these words in this section right here did not come across as doctrine, did not come across as 
theology, but it came across to them as life, as life-giving words that brought them hope. They weren't overbearing commands of you have to do this and you have to do that. You have to be this or that. But it was words that rung true in their heart and in their spirit. And they said, yes, we can stop being anxious. We can stop fighting. We can stop being stressed out and focus our hearts and our lives back on the peace that God has given us. those words still call out to us today. And hopefully they're not words of a doctrine or theology that we live by, but they're words that are settled deep down in our heart. That we live in a relationship with this God that we can go to and pray and His peace is guarding and guiding our heart that transcends all understanding. Paul wraps it up In verse 8, and he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I want to be a part of a community, part of a relationship that we're thinking and focusing and striving for truth for nobility, for purity, that we're seeking that peace that God has for us. Last night I was at Schweitzer Mountain and they had what they call, I guess, the Big Air Show. And we went up and we watched these guys. They had this huge jump built and we watched these eight guys come down the mountain time and time again. And they would come off of this this jump, and they'd flip through the air, and a couple times, like two guys would go at the same time, and another guy behind them, and then two more guys, and fireworks were shooting off, and all of this stuff was going on, and everyone is yelling and screaming and going nuts, and and I was sitting there, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, why can't Christianity just be that exciting and that cool? Like, that's what I want my Christianity to look like. After that was over, we went back, we were staying at the chapel, and I was there with a group of college kids, and we, I led a discussion on living out the Christian life, living on mission for Him, and we started to discuss all of these different things, and there became this really sense of frustration and uneasiness, because they're like, how do we do this? What do we do? I've gone and I've, I've given a homeless person a sandwich, but that just doesn't seem like it's enough. And I was sitting there kind of thinking about this foolish desire that I want Christianity to be this big, explosive, triple flip, whatever, landing on the mountain. And we came to this conclusion of we just need to take steps and practice. Do what God is asking us to do here and now. No matter how simplistic it seems, no matter how trivial it seems, just let Him guide us and guard us. But we have to take those steps and practice. So as we sing and worship with a few more songs, my challenge for us today is to step away from here and not just hear words and think that it's good, but how will we practice God the things that He has for us in our lives. How will we live those out?
God, I thank you for your peace. And God, I pray that if anything else, as we walk out of this room, we would experience your peace that passes all understanding. And that peace, God, would encourage us and challenge us and direct us to take steps of practice, of living out your mission on this earth. I thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name, amen.